0: All right, good morning, listeners, and uh, welcome to this week's news from the drug war front, live from Studio One at 2XX, uh, 98.3 Power, People Powered Radio. My name is Jeff. Co presenter is Marion. Good morning, Marion. Good
1: morning, Geoffrey, and good morning, my darlings. How are you? Well, good day, my darlings, if you're listening to it by Pod, pod Podcast. It is a miserable day this morning, isn't it? Good How day. How much to rain was
0: overnight? It's, it's, I don't
1: know, but they had a fair whack up in Sydney, I think about 50 mils in Sydney. A wow, couple of and inches. And it poured. Um, and they had big. Um, almost tornado type winds in orange taking the roofs off houses and uh um yeah they had uh, they had the uh, support services out overnight really bad yeah. weather yeah but anyway cuddle up we'll yep. go to a song in a little while and you can go and get yourselves a cup of coffee we've got some great stories for you yeah and a bit of an update on how we're all going because Jeffrey and I are going, yeah, we're vaccinated. Oh, what Three a relief. Three weeks and we'll be set. Where, where did you get your second AstraZeneca? Um, well, I got both of them in the same, same place, place, out at your GP at Crace. Okay. Remember, I think at the beginning yep. of when we were talking about the vaccines being available, yep. um, I read out a list of places, and your GP at have always had plenty of vaccine doses. Yeah. They haven't just always been available, although AstraZeneca has. Where yep. did you get yours?
0: I walked in to uh, Veterans Park, that little park in Civic, okay. and saw the Directions yep. bus, Pat, the mobile <sighs> medical van, and my GP was one uh, one of the people on you know on duty, yep. and uh, had my second dose um, just oh, well, in the park. Well, and when
1: did you have that one?
0: Friday, just oh, last fr- Friday.
1: That's right, and I had mine on Sunday. So
0: fully vaccinated.
1: Great, mm-hmm. are we good? And so just. As a segue to that, Directions at Woden is also um, doing vaccinations. And on Tuesdays, the nurses in um, the needle and syringe program are the base of um, the health building. Um, most people will know where it is, opposite the post office. Um, and Monday, the buses at Illawarra Court, Tuesday at Canangra Court. Wednesday, Oaks Estate, Thursday, Ainsley Village and Friday at City Veterans Park, as you said. And that's uh, across from the early morning centre. It is yep. indeed. Yep. Uh, generally on Tuesday from nine to three, or generally the bus and uh, the nurse will be available between nine and three o'clock for vaccination. So people, um, if I might just add, if you know any people who are sleeping rough, um, and maybe don't get to hear the radio show. Yeah, you could, or for your own purposes, um, you can pop into directions if your own GP, or if you don't have a GP. Yeah, not pop
0: everyone does. Pop into
1: directions, or into the needle and syringe program, or go to the bus, and get yourself vaccinated. Get yourself on the roll because. It may not stop you from getting the virus, but it'll stop you from getting it quite as badly as might you might get it. Keep out of a, uh, Yeah. Coffin. So Yeah. We want you to keep well, my love. So, yeah, Indeed. get yourselves vaccinated. Don't listen to the rubbish. Um, don't listen to the misinformation. Um, no. Go and talk to a doctor or a nurse about it. Go and talk to somebody who knows. Don't listen to people who are running... With rubbish, because that's what it is. There's a lot of stuff on social media that just honestly needs to be blown up. Even, you know, Dodo, Donald Trump said get vaccinated. He got booed heartily for it, I might add, but he did say get vaccinated at one of his... uh, uh popular meetings yeah
0: but yeah so i mean if he's
1: going to say it that means the other side of the coin the idiots who are misinforming are actually have to think seriously about getting vaccinated you don't want to die you don't want your loved ones to die you don't want your kids to die and i don't care what they say when kids get it they are super spreaders they don't understand, under particularly, you know, under five, they don't understand not cuddling. Anyway, let's go back to yeah. the
0: show. So welcome to today's edition of News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation. Karma uh, is a peer-based, community-controlled drug use organisation, with over two decades serving the ACT. Now, sadly, the global policies of prohibition remain largely unchanged. Well, certainly they do in Australia. So human rights abuses and the stigmatising and discrimination of people who use drugs continues um, to take place. Uh, we'd like to acknowledge the efforts of peers and activists have contributed to the fight against the war on people who use drugs and reaffirm our commitment, our commitment to continue fighting against the harms caused by Prohibition in all of its manifestations. So the show aims to inform and educate listeners about the failure of Prohibition and also promote the services and advocacy offered by Karma and other organisations.
1: Yeah. Karma, as my regular listeners will know, provides a wide range of services such as client advocacy, peer treatment support, education information, creative arts, mentoring, and referrals. The Karma office is located in the Church's Centre at Shop 17, Level 154 Benjamin Way in Belconnen and the office hours are 10am to 4pm, Monday to Friday, and the phone number is 6253. Three six four three, that's six two five three, three six four three. Um, Karma continues to run its opioid Australia first opioid overdose recognition response with naloxone workshops, um, but at the moment it won't obviously won't be doing any. But you can still learn about it over the phone. So if you ring Dave on 62533643, you can get some information about naloxone and how you can save somebody's life.
0: And uh, D- Dave said to mention that he and Damo are still doing brief interventions. So that's, people have yep, brought, you that's know, great. need naloxone, they can call. Good on and so
1: you, just because we're on lockdown doesn't mean... It is a first responders, it's an essential drug. All it does is stop people from dying from opioid overdose, but it does it well. Yeah. So if you need to get um, more uh, naloxone, you can. Yeah. By just getting in contact with Dave at Karma and getting meeting up and, somehow, and getting um, some of your naloxone and knowledge on how to use it. Yep. Okay. Karma can help people with a wide range of issues and will still do so even if it's over the phone. Um, during the lockdown period, opioid maintenance, treatment programs as methadone or buprenorphine or more recently new long-lasting injectable forms of buprenorphine known as buvidol or Sublocade, support with treating hepatitis C, the availability of detox and rehab services in the ACT, the wide-ranging negative impact of stigma and discrimination, as we know is a nightmare, difficulties with getting access to proper pain relief or palliative care, All issues, in fact, faced by people adversely impacted by prohibition and the war on people who use drugs.
0: Yeah. So I guess the key point to come out of that is um, karma, as you said, Marion, is deemed an essential service. We've got skeleton staff staff in the office. Yeah. And it's
1: available through the telephone, by telephone anyway. By telephone?
0: Yeah. Look, it's preferable if people can uh, get supported or the information or the advocacy by the phone just yep. given the situation um but there are staff there um I and mean, you do get asked questions you know have you been to condomine court in the last week for instance because of the and there'll be limited there.
1: number of people allowed in at any one time It's anyway, also hey? those constraints yeah, yeah. But, that would be um, sensible
0: there are if you call the number Uh, between 10am and 4pm, there will be staff there who can help you. That's right. So
1: So. Karma will not stop helping people just because of lockdown. It's just doing it in a different way. Exactly. And there are other services still available. One of the things that um, Chris wanted to mention too was that Karma doesn't have any more um, essentials cards. cards, Yeah, brokerage. The emergency food relief can be delivered for ACT residents in need. If you call volunteering ACT on one eight hundred four three double one double three. That's one eight hundred four three double one double three from Monday to Friday from nine AM to five PM, you can get food delivered to you. It'll be essential food. It's not going to be anything over the top, but it will be certainly sustenance and it'll be the food that you need. You can talk to people about what it might be that you need specially, I imagine. Yeah. Um, but a volunteering ACT is the place to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, the contents of this news from the Drug War Front uh, broadcast uh, slash podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and or policies of the Canberra Alliance for Harm minim- Minimisation and Advocacy. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and does not promote illegal activity. Karma recognises that drug use happens. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. Karma seeks to reduce the harms associated with drug use as well as the harms associated with the criminalisation of drug use. Through the provision of empowering programs that concentrate on community development person-centred holistic health care and equity of health service delivery for all people. Shall we go to a song, Marin?
1: Let's do that first, yeah? All right. And I then we'll keep, come back with some um, stories. Stories, yeah? and
0: we've got some good ones. Uh, yep. This is Australian band from Perth, The Triffids, and Life of Crime, The Triffids. Okay. All right, that was The Triffids and Life of Crime. It's quarter That's to 11. That's up on
1: us, didn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, it's quarter to 11, and you're listening to news from the drug war front with Jeff and Marin in the... Studio one of Two W X People Powered Radio ninety eight point three FM. Okay, look, what, this story I thought was um, very interesting. It's a good one, Jeffrey. You know, Dan, Dan Andrews yeah. has cop criticism mainly from and federal and it New straight South Wales again. Yeah. yeah. But, on him. you know, the first obligation is to look after your people, I would you have thought. You think so, yeah. Anyway, this is headed. Would You Prefer That They Die In Alleys? Premier Dan Andrews bristles when asked why playgrounds are closed but drug-injecting rooms are open and shares a, women, a woman's story of how his policy of putting up the homeless in hotels saved her life. This is by Michael Pickering, Daily Mail Australia, August the 19th. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews has angrily hit back when asked why Melbourne's drug-injecting rooms are open while children's playgrounds remain shut. The Victorian Premier ordered all playgrounds in Melbourne closed as he tightened the city's lockdown and extended it until September the 2nd. However, the controversial heroin injecting room in North Richmond, in Melbourne's inner east, is still open so drug users can use them in a safe way. Mr Andrews was asked at his COVID briefing last Thursday after announcing 57 new cases why the injecting facility was still open and the playgrounds were closed. Quote, I don't think there are any comparisons between injecting drug users, he said. Would you prefer they died in alleyways? That's what drug users used to do before we had a safe injecting facility. Mr Andrews said the facility in North Richmond would remain open in a COVID safe way, like every other hospital and every other health services. The day I announced the injecting room, a person OD'd about 30 yards from where I announced it and paramedics rushed rushed to save that person's life, Andrews Mm. said.
1: It's a real issue. Battling through its sixth lockdown, Melbourne parents were enraged that children's playgrounds, basketball courts, skate parks and exercise equipment would close. Quote, experts wonder why there is a lockdown fatigue when decisions like this are made, one person posted under a post about the decision. Since the announcement Jack Roper Reserve Playground and La Hinge Street Playground in Broadmeadows... Have been named as tier two exposure sites, while a skate park was earlier added to the list. So there's your reason for it, isn't it? Plus five, Mr. Andrews, Andrews also addressed growing fears that the Delta outbreak would spread among Melbourne's homeless after a St Kilda sex worker tested positive. He said 1,600 people who were quote rough sleepers or living on public in public places took up offers of emergency housing during the pandemic there's been an ongoing that's been an ongoing thing and we'll try and provide more permanent housing for each and every one of those people once we get beyond this he said quote i can re- well recall around christmas time i was walking up Collins street and a woman came up to talk to me i sat there and listened she said the program had saved her life saved her life she had been homeless for a long period of time. She'd taken us up on our offer to be put in a hotel, into a hotel. I think she's now in more permanent housing. The Victorian Government and City of Melbourne programme offers free hotel rooms to every rough sleeping homeless person to lessen the risk of them catching COVID. Fifteen recent COVID cases are now linked to St Kilda, and COVID Commander Duran Weimar said, Authorities are still searching for the cluster's original case. He's quoted as saying, Out of caution, we're asking that if you have employed a sex worker in the St Kilda area, you need to come forward and get tested, no matter where you are. Health Minister uh, Martin Foley told reporters on Wednesday... (coughs) I'm sorry, that wasn't uh, Jerome Weimar that said that, that was Health Minister Martin Foley... Sacred Heart Mission Dining Hall in St Kilda and the Salvation Army in Melbourne were also listed as Tier 2 exposure sites. Mr Foley said authorities were working with the community health sector to ensure vulnerable Victorians were informed of the situation. A drive-through and walk-up testing centre has been set up at the Palais Theatre car park. Victoria recorded 57 infections, uh, 57 new infections on Thursday, but only 10 cases were infectious in the community. There are 296 active cases of the virus in Victoria. The spike to 57 is the biggest jump in daily cases since 76 infections were recorded on September the 9th this year, last year.
0: Well, all I can say is good on Dan Andrews for Absolutely. actually being cons- concerned about the well-being of the marginalised, the homeless, Indeed. people who and use illicit it drugs.
1: It's perfectly obvious, isn't it, that the needle and syringe, I mean, sorry, that uh, injecting centres need to be made available. The point of having an injecting room, a safe injecting site there, is to make sure that people don't die or drop dead in alleyways. Because of the lack of attention, because people will do it in secret and it will continue to happen whether there's an injecting centre or not. So given a safe injecting facility, why would you not keep it open? This is exactly the sort of time, like having a radio show, Jeffrey. this is exactly the time when it comes into its own, when it yeah. is absolutely needed, as, as are we. Look,
0: yeah? my view is that there should be... Actually, be contemplating providing a safe supply of drugs, un- under the COVID pandemic. No, you
1: know? no two ways about it.
0: Because the reality is, you know, prohibition black market. As the, the potential for you know drugs to be imported and moved and around the country becomes more difficult, yep. the quality of drugs is declining. Subsided, the price indeed, is increasing. Yep. Um, people are, you know, adding all sorts of adulterants and contaminants. You know, it becomes more and more risky.
1: street baked powders are has always been the worst in terms of what you can expect. So uh, expectations are rarely met, and if they are met, they're over met, and people will have big troubles like overdose. Yep. It's it's um it really is the time to think very seriously about a safe supply as they are calling for in Canada
0: yeah indeed yeah and
1: is it Ontario Jeffrey we were talking about last week
0: yeah
1: where they were saying you know really we demand a safe supply yep. and the government said well look we can't promise can't give you a safe supply of heroin or of cocaine but we can manage a safe supply of other drugs mm. um certainly some alternatives that can substitute for like drugs.
0: It's time to just consign prohibition to the yes, dustbin and of this history. this is the perfect yeah.
1: time for it to be
0: highlighted. Well, speaking of legal drugs, I thought this was an interesting uh, article. This
1: is a shocker, Geoffrey, really.
0: Alcohol companies stoop to a new low with predatory marking, mark, Sorry, predatory lockdown marketing uh, techniques by Katarina Georgi, NewDaily.com, August the 18th. When the lockdown was announced in Greater Sydney at the end of June, companies that sell alcohol products immediately launched their lockdown-related marketing campaigns. Almost like clockwork, social media posts from online alcohol delivery retailers exploded into our feeds with phrases like, We know lockdown is hard. That's why we will be there for you every single moment. Mm. Stay safe and stock up on over 5,000 beer, wine and spirits with free shipping right to your door. And this one, lockdown love for Sydney with free delivery and lockdown discounts. I mean,
1: it's just wrong, isn't it? Well, it is just wrong. Yeah. No,
0: are they been told to rein in?
1: Or I bet they're not. I bet they're saying, no, no, you can't. Our marketing is just, we're just slower. giving the people what they want.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dan Murphy sent an email reassuring people that their bottle shops would stay open. And an alcohol company executive from Lyon tweeted that if people were going to, quote, panic buy, they should panic buy one of their products.
1: (laughs) That's safe drinking, isn't it? That's a safe drinking advertisement. Oh, it's
0: outrageous. These are not isolated examples. An analysis of more than 100 alcohol company ads on social media found that a quarter encouraged people to drink as a way to get through the pandemic and 71% explicitly or implicitly referred or referenced COVID-19. Since the beginning of the pandemic, alcohol companies have used COVID as a marketing opportunity and an opportunity to expand their online delivery of alcohol products. And now, with advances in digital marketing, alcohol companies can target people with precision. Just as people who visit and buy books online are targeted to buy more books, people who visit and buy alcoholic products online are targeted to buy even more. Mm.
1: With digital marketing, alcohol can be promoted and pushed around the clock. By design, alcohol companies target people who purchase alcohol the most, even if they are at their most vulnerable or causing harm to themselves or the people around them. We know alcohol companies do this day in, day out, without direct exposure to the many alcohol harms that far too many Australians experience. These sales happen with the click of a mouse or via a tap of a screen without any human interaction. So there's nobody there to judge them, Jeffrey, on what they're buying or what they're, you know whether they're buying you know, 30% alcohol proof or you know no one is looking at them going, "Well really, do you need that? that mm. it's just being shoved straight at them. We know alcohol companies, and I know we said that, COVID-19 has been highly profitable for alcohol companies selling or takeaway and delivered alcohol. Data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the ABS, shows that sales from these companies increased revenue by 27%. That's $3.3 billion from 2019 to 2020. And these elevated sales are continuing... <laughs> in uh, 2021 these super profits come at the expense of the health and well-being of families and communities across australia far too many australians are negatively impacted by family violence mental illness chronic health conditions injury and death and all are made worse because of alcohol despite the potential for these alcohol companies to cause harm the checks and balances that we as a community expect, don't exist. There's no independent regulation of alcohol marketing. Most online alcohol delivery companies can deliver from the crack of dawn to well into the night and most aren't even required to check for ID when the sale is made. Alcohol companies should not be selling alcohol to children. Alcohol companies should not be using personal data to target and market to our most vulnerable. Alcohol companies should not be delivering alcohol products into the home late into the night. Alcohol company executives should not be able to make super profits at the expense of health and safety of our families and communities. But right now, that's what's happening, and will continue to occur unless governments take action. Action. Katerina Georgi is the chief executive. Uh, of the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education, and I cannot um, agree more. Yeah, with it's it. outrageous, I just think Naren, is That's it? an obscenity. And you know why it's obscene? It's because I don't drink, and I've very outspoken uh, about that. I am an open teetotaler. Me too. Um, and that is not my drug of choice. My drug of choice... Is not available. I could die if I use the drop of hat because I don't know what the quality is like. Yeah, um, it's a very different situation. And I just feel just obsane. Yeah. You know, the inequality is just wrong, Geoffrey. So, you know, I, I state my bias openly um, and I think we should have the drugs that I enjoy available in a legal way so that I can take them safely and that in these days of COVID. Even um, more important, you know, pandemics. I'm, I'm not at danger.
0: Yeah.
1: Neither are my colleagues, my peers, and I. So, anyway, my darling, my, my thoughts are with you. Look after yourselves and each other. We're going to go to the news in a second.
0: Oh yes, I'm glad you reminded yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's, it's a stark difference, isn't it, compared oh, to.
1: Yes, it's huge difference. I mean, people would not even consider safe supply of drugs in Australia at the moment. No. You know, not intoxicating drugs anyway. And alcohol is not even considered a drug and yet... I know from the minute I started working the alcohol and drug sector that 98% of people who committed crimes and were in jail for it were intoxicated on alcohol at the time they committed the crime.
0: And alcohol ranks number 1 on the list of virtually every harm. That's yeah,
1: it and evaluate. Wow,
0: look at what it does.
1: Yeah. All right,
0: but, uh, we're coming up with At 11 o'clock news, news. we shall be back with more stories. All right. Uh, Welcome back to this week's News from the Drug War Front. Uh, I was talking before about the uh, Pathways to Assistance and Treatment, or PAT uh, van. Uh, I've got some feedback um, from a listener, uh, David, who said that uh, the Pathways to Assistance and Treatment van will be at the George Street Oaks Oaks Estate tomorrow. The doctor will be Ben and the nurse will be Ali. And they also have the Pfizer vaccine as well. So um, they've got both AstraZeneca and Pfizer. So um, anyone who needs a vaccination, get yourself out to Oaks Estate tomorrow and um, catch up with Dr. Ben and Nurse Ali. So thanks for that feedback. Um, I also think got a little bit of information about some of the other locations. I think on Monday, uh, they're located at uh, Illawarra Court and that's Megan and Tristan. Tuesday at Canangra Court, Megan and Ben. Thursday at Ainsley Village, which is Ali and Kath. And as I mentioned earlier, where I got my vaccine last Friday, uh, City uh, Veterans Park, and that's uh, Ali and Andrew um, across from the early morning centre, generally 9am till 3pm approximately. So keep keep those in mind. It's a fabulous service. And um, they've got both Pfizer and AstraZeneca for people that are really hoping to hang out for the... uh, the Pfizer. Okay, look, might go to a song uh, while I wait for uh, Marion's return from her uh, legal drug, uh, tobacco. This is uh, Warren Zevon and Carmelita. Oh, uh, that's a beautiful song yeah, by Warren Zevon, is, Carmelita. Um, got some feedback from somebody saying that it'll make him cry hearing this. But...
1: Well, especially on a rainy day, Jeffrey. Yeah, when the weather's miserable and. It's such, it is a sad song. It's very emotive. It pulls my heartstrings too. Yeah, it's a classic. Look, I thought uh, we'd do, it's probably too
0: long to do all of it, but it's um, it's an interesting one. It's from the Independent Media Institute, how the global drug war's victims are fighting back. So we'll give you a flavour of it because it talks about um, Rodrigo Duterte, who we like Which to- Which we
1: had promised listeners we, we would update keep them, them updated. on from time yep. to time.
0: Despite significant advances made by governments around the world in humanising drug control systems since the turn of the century, human rights abuses still seem to be taking place in the course of enforcing drug prohibitions in recent years, and in some cases, it's only gotten worse. The United States continues to imprison hundreds of thousands of people for drug offences and imposes state surveillance, probation and parole on millions more. The Mexican military rides roughshod over the rule of law, disappearing, torturing and killing people with impunity as it wages war on, or sometimes works with, the infamous um, drug cartels. A July virtual event, which ran parallel to the United Nations High Level Political Forum on Sustainable Development, shined a harsh light on brutal human rights abuses by the Philippines and also Indonesia in the name of the War on Drugs and also highlighted one method of combating impunity for drug war crimes by imposing sanctions. Mm. The event, SDG 16, The Global War on Drugs versus the Rule of Law and Human Rights, was organised by the DRC NET Foundation, a sister organisation of the Drug Reform Coordination Network, slash stopthedrugwar.org, a US-based non-profit in consultative status with the United Nations Economic and Social Council, The SDG 16 refers to Sustainable Development Goal 16, Peace, Justice and Strong Institutions of the United Nations 2030 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Event organiser David Borden opened the meeting with a discussion about the broad drug policy issues and challenges being witnessed on the global stage and is quoted as saying, drug policy affects and is affected by many of these broad sustainable development goals One of the very important issues is the shortfall in global AIDS funding, especially in the area of harm reduction programs. Another goal, peace, justice and strong institutions, is implicated in the Philippines, where President Rodrigo Duterte was elected in 2016 and immediately initiated a mass killing campaign, admitted by him, although sometimes denied by his defenders, in which the police acknowledged killing over 6,000 people in anti-drug operations, and that's very understated number. Mm. Almost all of whom resisted arrest, according to police reports. Non-government organisations put the true number of those who've been killed at over 30,000, with many executed by shadowy vigilantes.
1: Mm. The International Criminal Court, the ICC, has proposed a formal investigation of human rights abuses in the Philippine drugs war. But the court seems hampered by a chronic shortfall in funding. Borden pointed out. Borden pointed out, former prosecutors have warned pointedly on multiple occasions of a mismatch between the court's mission and its budget. He said recent activity at the conclusion of three different preliminary investigations shows that while the prosecutor in the Philippines moved forward in both Nigeria and the new Ukraine the office concluded there should be formal investigations but did not submit investigation requests, leaving it up to new prosecutors to do so. The hope is that the ICC will move as expeditiously as possible on the Philippines' investigation, but resources will affect that, as will the Philippine government's current stance.
0: I wonder if Duterte's worried, Marion. I mean, we've reported on his um, appalling campaign of just shooting, you know, users of... Uh, his cris- own
1: single, single-handed, single which he did as mayor of... Um,
0: Davao in De the South. Yeah. He yeah, he's there. got a long history of um, yeah. being happy to just well execute before, drug users. Well before 2016. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's appalling. Yes, I would think that he is worried about it and I think that's very easy for them to operate with that aren't a very minimally funded organisations such as this investigative arm of the United Nations I just think that uh, they've got to get their values right either they're into this or they're not they can't be doing token investigations into something where you're talking about possibly 30,000 people being killed over the last four years and probably way more than that yeah
0: I'd say more look if if you can't Uh, deem extrajudicial killings as uh, human rights abuses, then what's the point?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the ICC to record his threats against those who destroy the country with illegal drugs, as Duterte, the Rappler reported... I never denied, and the ICC can record it, those who destroy my country, I will kill you, said Duterte, and those who destroy the young people of my country, I will kill you because I love my country. He added that pursuing anti-drug strategies through the criminal justice system, quote, would take you months and years, and again told police to kill drug users and dealers. At the virtual event, Philippines Human Rights Attorney, Justine Belain, Secretary-General of the Akbayan Youth, the youth wing of the progressive democratic socialist Ak- Akbayan Citizens Action Party, provided a blunt and chilling update on the Duterte government's bloody five-year-long drug war. This is the quote. The killings remain widespread, systematic and ongoing, he said. We've documented 186 deaths, equal to two a day for the first quarter of the year. Of those, 137 were connected to the Philippine National Police, the Philippine Drug Enforcement Agency or the Armed Forces, and 49 were committed by unidentified assailants. The unidentified assailants, that's in quote, vigilante death squads of shadowy provenance, are responsible for the majority of killings since 2016. Quote, of the 137 killed, 96 were small-time pushers, highlighting the fact that the drug war is also class warfare targeting small-time pushers or people just caught in the wrong place at the wrong time, Belaine said. He also provided an update on the Duterte administration's response to ICC prosecutor Prosecutor Fatou Bensouda's June 14th decision, concluding her preliminary examination of human rights abuses in the Philippine drug war with a request to the ICC to open a formal investigation into the situation in the Philippines. Uh, I, look, I... Agreed, every that's just, it's just horrendous.
0: I, I got a message back saying that uh, Duterte has also put out an order to um, shoot people that don't wear masks. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, he's such a thoughtful chap, isn't he? He, uh, Belaine. He also provided an update on the Duterte administration's response to the ICC prosecutor. that ben had been suited. I did that one, did I? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, in a bid to fend off the ICC, in 2020, the Philippine Justice Department announced it had created a panel to study the killings carried out by agents of the state police or military. But Belaine was critical of these efforts. In the second half of 2020, the Justice Department said it had finished the initial investigations, but no complaints were or charges were filed. He said. They said it was difficult to find witnesses who were willing to testify about the killings. What a surprise. But the victim's family said they were not approached by the review panel. I'm wondering, Marion, whether
0: somebody might end up taking him out. I mean, he must have uh, made a lot of enemies.
1: You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Well, it's it's been a
0: cover for him to take out a number of his political opponents, you know, this whole drug war and.
1: Well, Geoffrey, we've known over, you know, the past year and a half, two years that we've been reporting, uh, even longer than even that, longer, really, yeah. on Duterte, that he's been um, advertised as doing a per capita bounty on supposed drug dealers, and that the situations where. Me, generally, men were found dead. Was it where the women in the family had actually been sent out of the house? Yeah, the uh, men had been left in the house in a chair with a gun and some drugs nearby their person, and they were shot dead. And that was the circumstances in which they were deemed to be dealers. So, and yes, if they're not talking to the families. They will not get any reality. They won't get any truth, and they also won't find out who's prepared to give evidence. Um, and I, I can see quite well. It's very easy to keep people quiet if you keep them a in fear and b in ignorance. Well,
0: and life is cheap, and you know, in I mean, places
1: like the Philippines, yes, got
0: a president who is a self-admitted uh, murderer, murderer. Yeah, um, running the country.
1: Absolutely. Look, we
0: won't go through the whole story, but it goes on to talk a little bit about Indonesia and Joko Widodo, the president there, who also declared a war on drugs in 2016, not only introducing extrajudicial killings, but also uh, increasing the willingness of his government to resort to the death penalty for drug offences.
1: He's got such an innocuous face, Joko Widodo, I wouldn't have thought of him as a... But perhaps I didn't know that background to him. I'm a... Probably wouldn't have thought of that, uh, Duterte. Although I have watched the Filipino news, and they blank out a lot of what Duterte says in the news. You know, they blip it out. So yeah. he obviously even swears in media oh, he's a interviews. Yeah,
0: unpleasant nasty Character bit of work. Character one way yeah. or the other, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's angling to try and uh, get elected on a ticket with somebody else in the next elections uh, he because
1: can't if, Because they're only allowed to sit for a minimum, what, six one, years or six something, years, one I term. Think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, I think he's trying to protect I think himself you're right. from... Yeah, from
1: I think they said that actually in the news. It might have even been Sunday or Saturday morning because I watch a lot of the SBS news reports and the, a lot of them I don't understand. But when they're beeping out. Um, <laughs> you know what they're doing when they're bleeping if, out an interview. You know, what he's saying an interview.
0: But it sort of shows, and you know, we've talked about Duterte pretty much from the moment he got elected in 2016, that... He was given permission ha- by being elected. That's what he thought. But why... Nobody seemed to care. I mean, now the ICC at least looking into it and trying to mount some sort of investigation, but...
1: I think that at the same time, Jeffrey, don't you remember we had... Um, we had... Uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, that's um, true. We ha- was all populist yeah, presidents. That's a good Really, point. the people who were being elected as presidents were all on a populist ticket. Yeah. They were considered their own best advertisements. Um, so, actually, countering what they said or getting any oxygen on your response to what a populist president said was very difficult. Yeah. And, you know, Donald Trump put out a number of. Um, of uh, media, social media every day. He didn't just rely on mainstream media for his advertising campaigns or for his media exposure. He did it himself. Yeah, with Twitter.
0: He liked you today. Yeah.
1: Oh he wanted to run. (laughs) And exact that was but that's my point. You know, that that was what was going at that time. And we uh, people were not looking at ideology. They were looking at strong The same with Putin. They were looking at a strong president with a big mouth. And that's what's considered to be, not a brain, not a big brain, a big mouth and muscles, or apparent muscles anyway. Mm.
0: Well, let's hope karma might be coming for Duterte. That would be nice. Let's hope, what, sorry, karma? Karma, with a K. Not us. Oh, with a K.
1: Oh, I see that kind of karma. <laughs> yeah. Whew. I was thinking, well, what on earth are we going to do about it, I'd, Jeffrey? from I don't here? Think we can only advertise it. <laughs> an
0: expeditionary force to take <laughs> out to they might be beyond us.
1: <laughs> I love the idea. We can don't dream. see it happening, but I love the idea.
0: <laughs> but it's nice to hear that he's feeling a little bit of pressure for a man yeah, that's Indeed.
1: Behind. And that, in fact, somebody in the Philippines is feels that they can come out and say... Stuff like this. Yeah. They've been getting quite a lot of uh, support from um, uh, the from from agencies around the world who will say, yeah, from Amnesty International, for instance. Yeah, that's true. And that's where the funds are coming for yeah. investigations or anything opposing the president, particularly in the Philippines. Yeah, long overdue. <laughs> really important. Right. We'll
0: go to a quick song and we'll come back with some more stories. This is JJ Cale from the Troubadour album and Cocaine.
1: Where JJ Cale.
0: All right, uh, that was JJ Cale and his classic cocaine from the Troubadour album. Okay, it's about 26 uh, minutes after 11. You're listening to news from the drug war front on XFM People Powered Radio with Jeff and Marin. Okay, don't say we don't travel the world. This one's uh, stories <laughs> from Sri Lanka, uh, from filtermag.org. Abusive, quote, rehab and other harms of Sri Lanka's militarised drug war. In Sri Lanka, two grams of heroin can get you the death penalty. People incarcerated on drug charges are regularly beaten and abused. The handful of rehab programs are mandatory, abstinence only, and come with limited post-release support. The country's approach to drug policy is, quote, an excessively punitive approach, with abuses by law enforcement officers and the Ministry of Defence taking the lead in drug control and treatment. The Ministry of Defence. Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: And Bika Satpunathadan, that's than <laughs> Some Some of the Sri Lankan names are tricky. Uh, The author of a new report from Harm Reduction International on drug control in Sri Lanka told Filter, quote, there's simply not enough community-based treatment, no emphasis on the importance of the rehabilitation being voluntary rather than compulsory and very limited post-release support, end quote. The report, released on August the 4th, is the first independent study on drug control and detention in Sri Lanka that utilises a human rights framework. Set Koonathathan served as a commissioner on Sri Lanka's Independent Human Rights Commission from 2015 to 2020. Sri Lanka is fighting its drug war using military power, exacerbating its harsh punishments and arbitrary detentions. President Gotabaya Raja Paska, campaigned on a promise to eradicate, quote, the drug menace. Quote, the notion of justice is so narrow and it's not rights-based the country has taken a notably punitive approach to drugs since at least 2009, but Raja has accelerated this since taking office in 2019, creating a task force comprising police and military personnel which takes, quote, necessary measures for prevention from the drug menace and moving the country's country's National Dangerous Drugs Control Board, or NDDCB, the National Drug Control and Monitoring Authority, under the authority of the Minister of Defence.
1: Wow. This militarised approach has done nothing to lower the rates of drug selling or use. Well, what a surprise. And much to increase human rights abuses. Nearly 60% of the country's approximately 30,000 prisoners are incarcerated on drug-related charges in facilities that should only hold around 12,000 people. Recorded drug law violation rose to 16,000 in 2019, an increase of nearly 250 per cent, increase since 2015. The government takes a very dehumanised, punitive approach to crime, Satkunanathan said. The notion of justice is so narrow and not rights-based. Sri Lanka's drug laws are in some ways contradictory. The report notes undermining transparency and putting inordinate powers in the hands of police and judges. If police claim someone is using drugs, even in the absence of any evidence, well, especially in the absence of any evidence, (laughs) I reckon, they can detain a person for drug testing and bring them before a judge, who can in turn mandate them into rehab. The country's rehab facilities, like its jail, are rife with human rights violations. Interviews with lawyers and detainees highlight experiences of torture, mistreatment, beatings, alongside inadequate facilities and lack of medication, the report details. There is no non-abstinence-based care, and police often continue to harass detainees after their release. The UNODC, or the United Nations Office of Drug Control, provides support to the NDDCB, including providing building materials and helping break ground at a new rehab facility in the country in 2020. When rehab's not rehab, there's no point, Jeffrey. Well, there's just rehab. no point. Just Funding it only helps the government to think it's doing the right thing. It's about what it looks like, yeah, not give what it, a it does.
0: a little bit of... Yeah, legitimacy. Yeah,
1: Yeah. well, I should not be giving it like that. UNODC should not be providing legitimacy for something that is so patently not treatment-oriented. Anyway... With those programs remaining mandatory and their treatments not evidence-based, Harm Reduction International's report cautions that the UNODC should be mindful it does not become complicit in rights violation, albeit unwittingly, when providing technical and financial assistance.
0: Exactly what you just said.
1: Absolutely, it's just well, yeah. I could have could have read it to the end and then <laughs> said it, but I mean, that wouldn't have sounded like it was something straight out of my head. Geoffrey, this is one of the problems with the United Nations is it's being seen to be do doing things, yeah. Yeah. And what its biggest donor countries are requiring of it. Um, we today we've gone from Victoria to overseas in a big way, and. I must say that despite what's happening in Australia, disp- it could be worse. At least we're not getting shot yeah. like
0: dogs in the street. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> we might be, but it's not noticeable. It's not in numbers. <laughs> yeah. That might be a lot worse the as it is overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this kind of stuff really f- worries me. Oh, that appalling. That when they are legitimising... Human rights abuses—not just not just maltreatment, but abuses—absolutely mm. scathing reports are coming out of places like this, that make people mandatorily go into drug treatment centres where they get no drug treatment, they get no maintenance programs, no, they no. get no help with detox facilities. What a big surprise that someone would come out of rehab and the first thing they do when they get out is go and have a shot
0: yeah.
1: or go and have a smoke or no whatever surprise. drug it was that they used. But alcohol is, unless you're a Muslim, is fine. Go Look, and do that, but do not use any other kinds of intoxicant. Ever
0: since the Sri Lankan government crushed the Tamil Tigers um, in that long-running insurgency or civil war, they've become increasingly authoritarian yeah. and the drug war is no different. And you know? it's
1: it's like that's the only way to run a country, you know. It's just Heavy it's fisted, her- horrendous, yeah. isn't it? Crush people. Yeah. Yes. It's appalling. Subjugate people completely. Yeah. One law, subjugate one lot of people in favour of the elevation of another lot of people. It's like a...
0: Not a good place to get caught using illicit drugs. Oh, no.
1: Frightening. I wouldn't... Greece, another place I would be very frightened of actually yeah. being caught using illicit drugs because the laws are just so punitive. And the idea... It's all about the image of drugs, yeah? What do, what do drug users look like? Mm. And, yeah, they're usually poor. Aren't yeah.
0: they? All right, we'll play a song and then we'll come back with a story in a country we don't often get stories from, yeah. uh, China. But this is uh, Cypress Hill and I Want to Get High. <laughs> All right, that was Cypress Hill and uh, I Want to Get High from the Black Sunday album. Okay, uh, we're coming into the last uh, 24 minutes of this week's news from the Drug War Front. And as promised, we have a story from China. Pandemic controls, crackdown stems the flow of drugs in China. This is by uh, Yang Zikun from the China Daily. Strict pandemic control measures and a successful crackdown have reduced drug crimes in China by stemming the flow of drugs being smuggled into the country, a drug situation report released last month said. The drug situation in China report issued by the National Narcotics Control Commission said the positive trend in drug control had been consolidated. It said the vast majority of drugs in China come from the Golden Triangle region, Uh, that's Thailand, Laos and Myanmar. Myanmar. Chinese police seized 26.3 metric tonnes of major drugs last year, including heroin, methamphetamine and ketamine, down 20% from the 33 tonnes seized in 2019. Almost 85% 85 of the major drugs seized last year were from overseas. Both traditional and synthetic drugs entered China from the Golden Triangle, the report said. Chinese police seized 6.3 tonnes of heroin and opium from the region last year, accounting for 96.2% of the amount seized in China and 18.8 tonnes of methamphetamine and ketamine, 83% of total seizures of those drugs. Due to the strict pandemic and border control measures, a large quantity of drugs from the region had been stockpiled near the border and drug traffickers were looking for opportunities to transport drugs to China and other Southeast Asian countries, the report
1: said. Mm. To prevent drugs from the region flowing into China, the Commission and the Ministry of Public Security launched an operation named Jingbian in 2018 to target drug crimes in border areas, with the southwestern province of Yunnan their main focus. The operation expanded to Guangdong province and to Guangxi Zhuang autonomous region last year and police focused on the whole criminal chain, including the control of illicit manufacturing and the rectification of the logistics industry to contain drug smuggling, the Commission said. The flow of heroin from the Gold Crescent region, where Afghanistan, Pakistan and Iran meet, cocaine come from South America and marijuana from uh, from North America increased last year, the report said. Authorities in China seized 186 kilograms of heroin originating from the Golden Crescent last year, 1.4 times more than in 2019, 582 kilograms of cocaine from South America, 2.5 times more than the previous year, and 16.9 kilograms of marijuana from North America, 1.6 one point six times more than a year earlier. Gee, that seems strange that they would be getting um, pot from the from North America. It doesn't does. it? Although it does say North America, not the United States. Yeah. So maybe they're meaning Mexico, which is actually North America, in Canada, strictly speaking. Yeah. 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 Um, the drugs were mainly hidden in shipborne cargo or international mail packages and entered China through um, Southeast or East Coast cities. China saw declines in the number of drug users, large-scale drug manufacturing activities and the misuse of precursor materials last year. The number of drug users has decreased for three consecutive years. China had 1.8 million drug users by the end of last year, down 16.1% year-on-year. Police caught 427,000 drug users last year, down 30.8% year-on-year with 155,000 of them newly detected, the report said. Due to the anti-drug crackdown and intensified controls on precursor materials, the output of domestic drug manufacturing declined last year, along with the market share of domestically manufactured drugs. But drug manufacturing could still rebound, the report warned, With the normalisation of pandemic prevention and control measures, domestic drug-making activities rebounded in the second half of last year with the number of cases solved increasing 26.2% year-on-year and the number of manufacturing places destroyed up by 33.6% year-on-year. Intensified control of precursor chemicals included tightening Uh, including tightened border inspections, reduced the amount of regulated chemicals on the control list that flowed into illegal channels. However, drug manufacturers resorted to purchasing precursor chemicals that are not on the control list in a dispersed manner, synthesising them into the required raw materials, making supervision, investigation and blocking of such activities more difficult the report said, but not in ending it. <laughs> no, I I don't see how they could. I wonder how they feel, frankly, about. I mean, opium is traditionally a Chinese part of their culture. Drug of yeah. the yeah of for the old older people, you know, a that hard was, life in the fields. Their job yeah. was actually to sit down, be wise, and keep a look on the keep an eye out for the toddlers while they were on the nod.
0: How civilized?
1: Yeah, I and, wouldn't mind but looking but forward to an old now, age like that. I mean, have they? Totally ridden gotten rid of that culture. Be interesting. Or did to they during the cultural Re- revolution when um, Mao Zedong's uh, yeah. wife was in charge of it?
0: The Gang of Four. Yeah. yeah. Or
1: did they? Um, did they just sort of, uh, you know, that lovely word, subjugate it, or just keep it underground um, and out in the countryside, yeah. where they've got their own little opium fields and yeah, because it to find is out. being blamed on external factors. Yeah. Nothing seems to be. Internal to China. But I find that very hard to believe. It's such a big country and such a lot of isolated regions. I think it'd be very careful... very hard to keep an eye on all of it.
0: See what we can find out. Anyway, mm. it concludes drug trafficking activities using new internet technologies and logistics delivery channels has increased significantly. Criminals have used public online platforms to release drug related information, process payments via digital currencies, and arrange transport, making investigations much more difficult. The Commission said it would focus on the prevention and control of risks associated with new drugs this year by improving drug control in key sectors, setting up demonstration programs and stepping up governance of drug problems in rural areas. It said it would also strengthen preventive education, monitoring, international cooper- cooperation, and the control of precursor chemicals to resolutely
1: tackle drug problems. So they're really talking about ice-type things, aren't they? And ketamine—that yeah. sort of the the manufacturable drugs, not yeah. the naturally occurring ones. Yeah. That well, seems to be what they're focusing on more than the naturally occurring ones.
0: Well, I I consider that the recent you know, decade has led to more dangerous drugs coming from the black market.
1: Well, we say that every week, don't we? You know, every time um, they clamp down on something, something else pops up pops and, up. Big, you know, change a molecule here or there yep. and you get a whole new drug. Yep. It's not against the law. I
0: had a request for another track from the Cypress Hill Black Sunday album, so I will... Uh, don't get used to it. Comply. We're not going to keep on playing every song that you want. But it's Cypress Hill and... <laughs> Hits from the Bong. All right, uh, Cypress Hill and Hits from the Bong, from their Black Sunday album. Okay, we're into the home stretch. Um, just to follow up to the China story, of course, they're the source of the vast majority of precursor chemicals, Marion, and also yes. all the, the uh, synthetic opiate, opioids. Yeah, and like as,
1: fentanyl- as I said, we hear about that all the time. Yeah. It's just that our brains cannot retain all this news all at once. But, yes. Quite right. Of China's course. hardly
0: is. not part of the international uh, drug.
1: Yeah, can I just say, and I know because we haven't mentioned it that we really feel for the women in Afghanistan and actually yeah. for what's happening in Afghanistan. I don't. We haven't mentioned that today, but it has been on my mind. Um, really, our sisters over there need such a lot of support, um, and I. It's not only the women. I know the men are in. Dire straits as but well, it's and women their capacity are to be yeah. But it is the women who will be the ones who who won't be seen. It will no longer be seen. Will no longer be educated. Although the Taliban says different, I don't believe them. For I wonder a what will
0: happen with the uh, opium poppy uh, growing, given that you know the vast majority yeah. of uh, yeah.
1: Interesting concept. I mean, certainly uh, it depends. I guess on how many guns the Russians give. The Taliban and uh, how many? China is already making overtures to the Taliban and saying, you know, we want to talk to you. Uh, would you believe it? That bloody Karzai has actually said that he wants to negotiate with the Taliban from, from the United Arab Emirates or wherever from he's the safety been, of his... wherever he's run away to yeah. or flown away to. Yeah. Um. But uh, no, it's a, a sad situation. I oh, look, it's it is sad. It is. Miserable, and I just feel, I, you know, when it comes to powerlessness, Geoffrey, that's when I feel at my worst. Yeah. I just can't do anything about no. it except say it's on awful. radio that I feel for those women, and I am, I'm sorry that yeah. Afghanistan's in the state it is.
0: Yeah, it's not good. All right, we'll finish off the piece from Toronto. Speaking of powerful synthetic opioids. Uh, it's from uh, datac.ca, August the 18th. Extreme opioids hit Toronto streets, causing overdose deaths. In recent months, powerful synthetic opioids have been discovered in Toronto's street drug-, drug supply, resulting in a spike in overdose deaths. According to the results of investigation carried out by the Toronto Star and the Investigative Journalism Bureau, the presence of the new synthetic opioids, some of which are far more powerful than fentanyl, yeah. has quadrupled in tests of street drugs in the city from... Uh, to 4% from less than 1% before the pandemic. This increase is hugely meaningful, said Dr. Daniel Biriau, who tests the contents of Toronto street drugs um, at St. Michael's Hospital and heads the biochemistry division at Unity Health Toronto. It's life and death, he said. The new synthetic opioids appearing in Toronto include etonizapine. Yeah,
1: etonizapine
0: and etonizazine.
1: Etonitazepine. Never heard of these ones, which are
0: considered 10 to 20 times stronger than fentanyl, as well as etodesnitazine and metonitazine, both of which are considered to have similar potency to fentanyl. Furthermore, four months earlier, a similar synthetic opioid called isotonitazine, which is five times more potent than fentanyl, uh, appeared for the first time in Toronto's illicit drug supply.
1: Wow! In addition, carfentanil, a highly potent opioid which is approximately 100 times stronger than fentanyl, is also reemerging in Toronto's drug supply. Now, my understanding of that, Jeffrey, is that that was actually carfentanil was actually designed for animals, and um, that's you're why right. it was so big. It was so potent. I beg your pardon. Anyway, the article goes on. The new opioids were being identified by the Centre on Drug Policy Evaluation, the CDPE, a Toronto-based research agency that conducts testing on samples of street drugs. Specifically, the, quote, ultra-potent, quote, synthetic opioids were detected in samples that were sold as pure fentanyl. The emerging opioids were original, originally created as prospective pain relievers in the 1950s but did not gain approval for medical use. These powerful opioids have not been extensively studied and researchers are still not sure why they are appearing now. Well, I could probably answer that question. (coughs) Money. (laughs) The actual, quote, the actual toxicological effects of many of these novel psychoactive substances is not known. Dr Christiana Stephan a, bo- a clinical biochemist and toxicologist and laboratory director at the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health, or CAMH, said. Currently, little is known about the newly, emergent poting, uh, newly emerging potent opioids that the World Health Organization's Expert Committee on Drug Dependence referenced a Reddit post in an official report earlier in 2020 to describe the addictive Potential of isotoni- uh, isotonitazine. amazing The results of new studies showed that the ongoing opioid crisis has resulted in an unprecedented number of overdose deaths during the COVID-19 pandemic in Toronto, seeing an 81% increase in opioid-related deaths between 2019 and late 2020. In addition, research has demonstrated that border closures and drug supply chain disruptions have resulted in emerging new drugs and compounds. Quote, "'Any time you disrupt drug trafficking routes, "'unexpected things will happen,' said Dr Daniel Werb, "'the executive director of the CDPE "'and research scientist at St Michael's Hospital, "'in his interview with the Toronto Star,' "'which is their local newspaper,' That's why you see increasingly potent opioids on the market because the higher the potency, the more efficient the package is, the easier it is to traffic. And the easier it is for people to overdose
0: because of the powerful... strength of these synthetic opioids. That's right.
1: I mean, it's pretty damn obvious, isn't it? The more you suppress something, the more available it becomes in a more potent form. It is is more efficient to import or export it in that fashion. It's just crazy.
0: And the vast majority has come from China. Of these new synthetic, op- powerful synthetic opiates. Well, that
1: would be interesting, wouldn't it, to find out exactly... But, I mean, can we blame them for anything else and get away with it, Geoffrey? We seem to have gotten into huge amounts of problems for blaming them for not having yeah, an I open and this transparent was, investigation of COVID. Yeah. This was
0: coming out well before the pandemic that...
1: Indeed, um, we, yeah, it's... Um, but it, look, the problem is that blame doesn't get us anywhere. What do we do with it? Well, that's true. Issue, and with it?
0: prohibition, you, you can't single out any yep. single country.
1: We come back to the guts of it. Yep. Prohibition.
0: Look, I'll just uh, conclude with um, a reminder of the number for volunteering ACT. It's one eight hundred four three eleven thirty three. That's one eight hundred four three double one double three and yep. that's where you can get the emergency food and essential items and also just remind that karma's open um, and staff 10 a.m. till 4 p.m Monday to Friday six the number
1: 3643.
0: Three, three. indeed six two five three three six four three so um, yeah just Remember, Karma is uh, an essential service, and it is staff so
1: still functioning, still operating, and will still answer your phone calls. And you still can drop in, but best to notify people that you're coming so that there is plenty of room to be able to see you or talk to you. Time to talk to you when yeah, you come. just
0: be sensible and yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and look after yourselves, my Absolutely. darlings. Absolutely, please yeah. yep. take care of yourselves and each other. Um, Just I don't know what else we can say about that. Get yourself vaccinated because really it's the only way to make sure that you do not die from this bloody COVID virus because it's not going away. No. Pandemics don't go away. They just get suppressed.
0: All right. We'll leave you with the theme song from the radio show. This is The Stranglers and Golden Brown. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Mary.
1: Bye.